Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. Thank you for listening to one of our great messages. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. thing to be doing this course. I think it's the greatest course that we can embark on is finding out who we are in Christ. It's the core of who we are. It's the foundation of who we are as Christians is knowing who we are in Christ. And uh, we did session two. Did everyone do session two this week? I just want to try and stretch out a little point from session two. You know, when I get up, when I go to work, oh, there's, I've got three things that I leave the house with every single morning. I make sure I've got my wallet. I make sure I got my keys and I make sure that I've got my phone. Those are three things that I make sure that, that are in my pocket when I walk out the door. And my routine looks like this. I walk out the door, I jump into my vehicle, turn the car on and I drive and I go to wherever my destination is for that, for that day. Because it's different all the time. I'm in construction, so it's different all the time. And I just imagine one day if I decided to get into that car, if I decided to get into my vehicle and drive to my destination but decide to do it by looking through my rear vision mirror. Just imagine if one day I thought, this will be strange, this will be an interesting thing. Let's jump in my vehicle and let's drive to my destination whilst looking in the rear view mirror. As you know, there's going to be a lot of chaos. As you know, there's probably going to be an accident. And I basically am, I'm sabotaging my own efforts to get to my destination. Amen. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'll actually sabotage my own efforts to get to my destination. But so many people do exactly that. So many people live their lives looking at the past, what's behind them, instead of going to where they're going. Amen. So many people live their life wanting to go here, but their focus is back there. So they're trying to get to their destination, but their viewpoint is their past. And as you would have been through in the, in the series where Pastor Phil used Gideon as an example of a man who, who was called to something, but he was living his, his present through his history. He was living his present through his history. He was living his present through his past, shall I say. Another way of putting it. And then he, we give the example of Joseph, who God says, he, God gives him a dream, and Joseph decides to live his present in the future. He sees that dream and says, yeah, that's me. That's me. So he starts walking that. He starts talking that. He gets persecuted because of it. But here's a man, two different people. One's living according to his past. The other's living according to his future. Now, we as Christians are called to live according to our future, but so many of us, would you agree, find that really, really hard. So many of us find that really, really hard to let go of the past and actually live toward the future because we are called to great things. We are called to beautiful things. You, whoever you are, who you are, I don't know what you're called to, but you're called to something beautiful. God promises there's something beautiful for you. But we have this default where we keep looking back at the mistakes of our past and it stops us from getting to our destination. So this morning, I'm going to quickly try and give you three points of how to live, how to leave your past behind and live toward the future. So let's go. Uh, If you could turn your Bible, please, to Luke chapter 13, verse 10. And it says this. It says, now, this is Jesus, obviously. He says this. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called out to her. 
And he said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid hands, his hands on her, and immediately she was straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answers with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which a man ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and he said, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loosen his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Amen. Amen. I love that piece of scripture. And the first point I want to point out is this. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, I love that one little point. When Jesus saw her, Jesus saw her in the crowd with a multitude of people high-ranking high people in society, but Jesus saw her. Are you with me? He actually saw what nobody else saw in this lady. He doesn't see who you pretend to be. He doesn't see who you have to be. He doesn't even see you as a product of a broken past. He sees you for who you really, really are. Jesus sees you. And I believe the first point in moving on from your past is understanding that Jesus sees you and understands you. Are you with me? The very first thing you need to understand from moving on from your past is this, is that Jesus sees you and he understands you. Because remember Jacob, when he was promised Rachel, but Laban gave him Leah, and the Bible says that he didn't find out until the morning that it, was, that it wasn't Rachel. He woke up in the morning and says, what have you done to me? You've tricked me. What have you done to me? You've done this thing. Isn't that amazing? And isn't it indicative of the society that we live in? That you can live next to somebody, you can be close to somebody, you can even sleep with somebody and still not know who they are. And still not know who they are. He thought she was Rachel, but it was actually Leah. And so many times in our walk in lives, people think they know you, but they don't know who you are. People think that I know him. No, they don't. No, they don't. They don't know you. They don't know you. They think they do, but they don't know who you are. But Jesus sees you. Jesus actually sees you. Uh, what was I say? What I was going to say here? Jesus saw her through the crowd. He saw where she came from. He saw who she was, and he saw where she was going to be. And he does the same thing. He knows where you've come from. He knows who you are right now, but he knows who you're going to be. And the funny thing is, is that 18 years for 18 years. This lady's infirmity had actually changed the way she actually changed the way she looked. For 18 years, this infirmity had started. The Bible says that she was bent over. Right? She was bent over. There's some things in your past that have changed the way that you walk in life. There's some things in your past that have changed your posture. Someone has told you things that aren't true and they've changed your posture. You used to lift your head up high, but now you're looking at the ground. You've changed your posture because someone has told you something that's not true. And for 18 years, this lady, she had all these things from her past had actually changed the way she was. When she looked in the mirror, she actually changed the way she saw herself. And quite often our past will do that. It'll change the way you see yourself. It'll change the way other people view you. 
if you let it, it'll cripple you over. Are you with me? That's what your past will do. But I love that Jesus doesn't see that. He says, he says hey, woman, come here. He says, be loosed from that thing. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? I think it's just the most amazing thing that Jesus can see you. Not for all the stuff in the, because who's got deals in the past? Come on. Come on. Just me. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. And one of the things that holds us back is our past. And it changes our physical view on life. But Jesus saw past that. Point one, Jesus sees you. He understands you. My second point is this. It says, Jesus saw her and he called her to him. I love that part. Jesus saw this lady through the crowd, through the busyness of life, through the, all the big honchos and the, all the top guys in society. He saw her and the Bible says he called her unto him. Isn't that amazing? He called her unto him. Funny thing is, is that it also says that she could not raise herself up. The Bible says that she could not raise her own self up. And isn't that funny that Jesus calls her to him? Isn't that funny? Wouldn't it be easy if Jesus went to her? Here's this lady who's bent over and she can't get herself up, but Jesus called her unto himself. I imagine this lady, she's got these bow legs, she's crippled and she's shaking and she's getting up and, she, and she's trying to get to Jesus and it takes a while, but she gets to him. The point is this, you can't do life by yourself. You need people to get you up from where you are to help you to get where Jesus wants you to be. And I believe in taking responsibility for your own walk. I believe in that. I believe in taking responsibility for your own walk. But there are times in your life where you need someone to help you up to get you to where Jesus wants you to be. Another point is, is your deliverance is not guaranteed to be comfortable. It's uncomfortable. She would be embarrassed. This funny-legged lady trying to through the crowd. You get what I'm saying? She's bent over. Oh my gosh, it's embarrassing. Everyone's looking at me. Jesus calls her out through ministering. I love the fact that Jesus stopped ministering to call out to this lady. He very rarely does that. He's only done it once before that. Man with the withered hand. And he calls out to him through, well, he stops ministering. And that's because ministry is more important than ceremony. Are you with me? The individual is more important than ceremony. I'm preaching, I'll deal with you later. No, 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 no. I'll deal with you now. I see you, lady. I see you. Come, come to me, he says. Lays hands on her, sets her free. Sets her free. And so the deal is this. It's that Jesus calls her. She walks up. She's, she's getting to him. And I don't know what your past looks like. And I don't know in your walk if you're dragging some misspent childhood. I don't know if you're dragging something from your past that slows you from getting to where he is. I don't know what's going on that's stopping. God's called you. God's called you. I don't know what it is that's stopping. You might be dragging a, a foot. Or you might be dragging something. You know what I'm talking about here? You might be dragging something that's actually make, slow, making you slower, that's actually decreasing your speed to get to Christ. But Christ calls you nonetheless. It doesn't matter how long it takes for you to get there. He just wants you to get on the journey. You might be a bit slower than that guy or that girl. It doesn't matter. Get on the journey. Drag that leg along. Whatever that thing is from the past, drag it there and get to where Jesus wants you to be. Amen? That's my second point. God has called you. God has called you with all your stuff, with whatever you're dragging along from your past. 
Let's change the way you walk. Let's, I'm not that eloquent, Ra. It doesn't matter. He's called you. I'm not as learned as John. It doesn't matter. He's called you. He's called you unto himself. Come to me. Come to me. I'm a bit slower than some of these other guys. At the front. It doesn't matter. God has called you to come to him. Take your baggage. It's all good. He's, he's okay with dealing with the ugly. He's fine with it. Give me the ugly, he says. Come on. And I like the very last part where God says, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? See, God didn't have to call. He could have just said it, but I love that he called her up and then he says, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Instantly, he said, she stood up straight. Instantly, she stood up straight. You've got to understand that, that God's word is like an open check. If God says it, he signed on the dotted line. It's coming to pass. When God says something, it comes to pass. And you've got to know that. You've got to know that when God speaks, it happens. God's word needs to get on the inside of us. It can't wash over us. It can't do this. It needs to get on the inside of us. You know, the Bible actually says in James 1.21, it says, the engrafted word is able to save your soul. What do you mean by that? The engrafted word, the engrafted word is able to save your soul. This thing called the word of God has got to get in us. If your destination, let's go back to that vehicle again. If your destination is learning who you are in Christ, the vehicle is the word of God. I'll say it again. If your destination is to learn who you are in Christ, the vehicle is the word of God. There is no other way that you can get to that destination other than the Word of God. The Word of God is the only thing that can take you to the place of understanding of who you are in Christ. No self-help books. No little, I don't know, whatever, whatever else people do. It's this. This is the vehicle that gets us there. But the deal is this. Unless you get in the vehicle, you can't go anywhere. Unless you get in it, it'll never take you anywhere. It's okay having a Ferrari in the garage. But you don't drive it, it's pointless. You don't get in it. You've got no power. We've got to get in to the Word of God. This is the vehicle that changes us from the past into the future. I'll go back to that scripture. The engrafted Word is able to save your soul. When people do skin grafts, what do they do? They cut a little bit of skin out from one area and they slap it on the area where there's no skin. Are you with me? What they do is they wait. And over time, that thing merges. And over time, that thing blends in. Over time, that thing becomes one. That bit of skin that wasn't there before merges and becomes one with that area. Are you with me? So something that wasn't there before Something that there, previously there was nothing. They take a skin graft and they put something there and it mounts, it merges, it, it connects and it becomes one with that thing. You've got to understand that this thing called the Word of God has got to be engrafted into you. Okay, it's got to be engrafted into you. It can't be just this fuzzy thing that you hear. No, it's got to be engrafted into you so that when you, when you get it inside you, it actually changes and becomes who you are. 
like that bit of skin, it actually becomes who you are. When the Word of God is engrafted into you, it changes your, like you get a plant, you know, get those, when you plant, you know, graft plants, graft, whatever you want to say. When they graft plants, they get a root base of something else and something of, and they graft them together and they become one. They become that graft. Are you with me? I love that. You know why I love that? Because if you have no peace in your world, you can engraft it into yourself. Because you have no prosperity or health in your world, you can engraft it into yourself. Whatever's missing from your world, it's found in here and it's meant to be engrafted into you. Meant to become who you are. You engraft it. I don't have this. You know, I'm sick of people saying, oh, I'm going for, oh yeah, so do we all. We all got a sad story. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to get this Word of God in and slap it in and graft it into you? Or are you just going to tell the same old story 20 times again? Sorry, that's a bit harsh. That's why Jesus says, if you, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you can ask for whatever you want, it'll be done for you. Isn't that amazing? This Word is supposed to be engrafted into us, but we come and Pastor Phil's preaching or someone, we're all on Facebook on the front row. And the Word's going this. I love this course. I think it's the greatest thing that we've done since I've been in this church. But you won't get there until you get into the vehicle, which is the Word of God. You won't change until you let this thing engraft into your very, very person. Nothing will change. You may be sick. Get into the Word of God. Let it engraft into you. By my stripes, you have been healed. So many young people trying to find plans and, oh, I've got to work so hard for prosperity when they ought to be just spending time in the Word. When they ought to be just getting this engrafted into themselves. A lot less work and a lot, lot more liberty, I tell you that much right now. Don't spend time, oh, worrying about this stuff. Just get in the Word. Get that thing in you and graft it into you. This is who I am. If you abide in me, my Word abides in you. Ask for whatever you want, it will be done. But we chase these dreams and pipe dreams and all these things where God says, no, seek first the kingdom and then all these things will be added unto you. The message is God sees you. He knows who you are and He finds you beautiful just the way you are. He says, I love you but I'm complicated. God actually found delight in putting the layers of complications on you when He created you. I'm complicated. I know. God made you that way. It's all good. God sees you. Second point, God has called you. God has called you. And my third and final point is that the Word of God has got to be engrafted into you. The Word of God is the vehicle that will take you to the destination of understanding who you are in Christ. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.